0: As we begin this week's Football Unfocused and welcome, by the way. Matthew just did a cough there. If I did that at the beginning, he'd edit it out. He wouldn't edit it out, sorry, but he'll he'll edit that out. Although now I've mentioned it, he might not. But welcome anyway. Serena Williams. Roger Federer. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. David Matenga. James Jimmy Anderson. Joe Cole. Jonathan Trott. They're just some of the greats that either... Have turned 40 or about to turn 40 within the brackets of the school year that finished their GCSEs in 1998. Add to that list my co host, <laughs> Matthew. Uh, hello. hello. Hello, Matthew. <laughs> I didn't realise I
1: shared such greatness, uh, shared um, a, a time with such greats.
0: Well, when I turned 40 last September, I con- consoled myself. The fact that, uh, I think, Serena Williams is four days younger than me. Roger Federer <laughs> is a month older than me. Slatan Mimovic <laughs> is a month younger than me. But all these greats kind of around the same time. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and <laughs> others others. To know. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy <laughs> Anderson, he'd have been in the same school year as us, uh, Matthew. <laughs> yeah. Late you know, birthday, though, July. Summer ball. Oh. oh. Mm. It's, um, still counts.
1: Yeah, yeah. So where did he go to school, do you know Burnley. Oh, did he? From Burnley. State school?
0: Yeah, he's one of the very few proper working class, dyed in the wall cricketers who have made it to the very top level. And I, for that, I love him even more than I love him anyway. But Matthew, <laughs> this isn't about Jimmy Anderson, this is about you. <laughs> How was your fifth decade so far? Uh,
1: it's okay, but yeah, just bit bit more creaky not since (laughs) not literally since since monday yes not since monday but yeah generally i i am increasingly clickier click more clicky clicky well as
0: in like you're in cliques with with (laughs) small number of people who
1: bitch about (laughs) us yeah (laughs) Uh, and uh, more just tight and not tight as in, oh, I am. No, oh, you I'm are fiscally f- tight. Yeah, fi- I am always fiscally tight, but, but
0: my hammies are a bit tighter so than yeah, I would wanna, probably say. Get into yoga, mate.
1: <laughs> I know.
0: Right, enough of this. Matthew. <laughs> are we done? Yeah, I'm going to ask you some <laughs> questions now. As, oh, as, okay. as a man in his 40s, I'm even more <laughs> interested than ever to learn about you, what motivates you, what kind of, you know, what what lies beneath. Oh. <laughs> Matthew, what Is do you think? Talk- gonna- Matthew, God. just answer, stop, stop procrastinating. Answer the fucking questions, Matthew. <laughs> what do you put on your chips?
1: Uh, <laughs> well, as a man of forty, I I put on the same sauce that I did prior Monday. So it's a barbecue barbecue sauce. Um, That's amazing. I like I like curly flores. Curly so flores. Um, I don't really have chips. Yeah, more. I'm more of a curly fries man. Um, People, I I
0: hope that the listeners are enjoying this because that, to me, right, that sums up why. Sometimes I ask myself, and Matthew asks me, why I bother (laughs) asking these questions, and that's that's the reason that answer there. I ask him what he puts on his chips, and I've never heard anyone in my life above the age of five answer that question. With, I don't have chips, I have curly fries. So he's actually <laughs> rejecting the sort of the, the, the principle, the concept of just having some chips and maybe having some, you know, I mean, you know, even in fact, even your choice of barbecue sauce, I'd say slightly left field because I think, again, most people would probably go, you know, salt, vinegar, salt, yeah. ketchup, mayonnaise if you're a continental yeah. type. Yeah, yeah. But you've yeah. gone, barbecue sauce, I, I and I you've those. thrown out. So you would yeah. pick curly fries, I'm assuming out of a frozen bag, over... <laughs> you are right. Yeah, I am right, yeah. <laughs> over uh, a lovely, authentic them. bag of
1: chip shop chip chips. I don't curl them myself. No, no you don't yeah. curl them out. Um, yeah, I need to go to the chippy, especially because you mentioned how um, traditional the chippy is. You're up, in the north of England. It's up, the world capital north. of know. proper chippies. Maybe we can get some on Saturday as well.
0: Yeah. Well, that's definitely the late-night option that I will be uh, going for, Matthew. Hopefully, <laughs> okay. by then, you'll be sort of in a ditch somewhere.
1: <laughs> in the canal.
0: Yes, yes, that's that's my aim. Uh, good, good. I mean, that's that's a bizarre answer, a, a, but, a, but, a, oh. but a brilliant answer that shows. It okay. reassures our listeners out there, don't worry, he hasn't changed uh, since Monday. He's still... Yeah. This ludicrous uh, character that you, you just can never predict the answers that you're going to get, Matthew. <laughs> question two: When was the last time you saw someone famous? Or oh, famous? me seeing
1: somebody is well, yeah. Checking. I was going to say you're you're maybe not the somebody right person pointed to ask. out who was famous. Yeah. Oh, it was probably you who pointed him out. Brilliant. Well, when when was the last time you saw someone famous?
0: Uh, And was I there? (laughs) No, on Sunday morning, I was having my breakfast in the hotel after Liverpool-West Ham the night before, and Danny Boyle was sitting on the table. Oh, uh, really? So there
1: you you go. You saw saw,
0: uh, that Ukrainian boxer quite recently. I did, the day before the... well, say quite recently, it was last September, yeah, the day before he fought Anthony Joshua. Uh, Usyk Alexander Usyk, yeah, I was yeah, walking yeah, around yeah. the Olympic Park, and he because he was staying in. Uh, just goes to show how much this area has changed. That now, <laughs> like multi-millionaire boxers stay in the hotels, um the Manhattan Loft Garden Hotel called the Stratford within the Manhattan Loft Garden building, and he was staying there before his fight, his successful fight with um, Anthony Joshua. Yeah, him and his entourage having a little jog around the Olympic Park, mm. and yeah, went past Yeah, them. no, so, I think. Yeah. So what's the answer I to the question, I haven't frequented...
1: Eric- oh, I think it was... I was once at an airport and I saw John Major. Yeah. While he was Prime Minister? No. It was in, like, mid-2000s. Brilliant.
0: So <laughs> since then, you've not seen a single <laughs> famous person. Oh, incredible. <laughs> OK. Matthew... I've written this one down. Matthew, you strike me as the sort of person who doesn't iron any of their clothes. Am I right? (laughs) Am I right, Matthew? It feels like a leading
1: question. Yeah. Am I right? If I can help it. I mean, I'm terrible at ironing. I put more creases into the clothes that I iron than than I remove.
0: Why does that not surprise me? So, I feel it's sometimes Mm. self-defeating. You make the... Yeah, make, the ironing, make the clothes actually worse after well, you've attached yeah. it to an iron.
1: So before an iron, they've kind of got the the, the appearance of a slightly mar, marble marble effect. Yeah. So it's not like really creased. But then when I iron it, you get these quite hard lines creased into it mm. because of the way I've ironed it. Yeah.
0: And have I always ever...
1: think, what's worse?
0: Yeah, lesser letter of two evils. So have you ever considered ironing lessons? <laughs> just just yeah. putting some fucking effort in it. Yeah,
1: uh, I bought a steamer to try steam and over- iron cu-
0: or a food yeah. steamer because that's not that's not the real good. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> food processor. Um, no, the
1: the steam
0: the steamer yeah. where you yeah. one of them ones where you like rush the steam over it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah.
1: So that that's probably that does help a bit. Yeah, uh, because I'm not actually pressing up against anything. No, well. no one wants you pressed up against
0: them. <laughs> and Matthew, <laughs> what? Uh, what clothes do you deem worthy of the steaming process
1: sure any, anything that I go to work in yeah yeah, but not trousers you, you
0: work almost entirely from home though don't you
1: yeah yeah so I haven't had to iron much
0: of late for years
1: <laughs> for a little while Good.
0: yeah so in other words when I said to the the question was you strike me as the sort of person who doesn't iron any clothes am I right <laughs> the short answer is yes
1: do you iron your clothes yes I do do you do iron that,
0: your t-shirt yes I do do you iron your pants? Yes, I do. No, yes, I do. Everything apart oh. from socks. They're more comfortable when they've been ironed because they maintain do you, uh, their shape. Okay.
1: Do, do you iron your sheets? No, That you don't. No, no.
0: No, but, but there are proper old school traditionists out there who who yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I can't. I can't be doing that because the thing is, no. if you've dried them properly in, you know, main te- a lot consistent with the, the the lines of the the sheets, the fold, the natural folds of the sheets. Particularly during the nicer months when you've been able to hang them outside, they they come out so well that you don't really it's not really required. No, no. no. And you're not trying to really impress we... anyone, are you? And also then if you put if you make your bed nicely, with nice, yeah. uh, you know, tight uh sort of tensed uh, uh <laughs> you know, not not just chucking your your sheets on top, you know. You've gone and even yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just laying around. my it's sheets lovely. on top of the mattress. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure I'm surprised you even bother with a mattress. You lay on the floor. I put
1: a, ta- a towel on the floor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, we sort of drifted back to laundry again. That's yeah, we are. A, I mean,
0: one of the most staggering revelations that I've managed to um tease out of you in the uh, last <laughs> year of doing this Teased shit, and it's coming up to a year. I think. I think we started really? this in March time, didn't we? Oh my. Yeah. If we were more professional and gave a shit, we'd probably look into that. This could even be the one year anniversary and we don't even we don't even know. But if it I'm is sure, I'm sure one of our millions of Someone millions will let us know. Public. Someone will <laughs> let us know. I mean we could just open one of the apps that our podcast is on and look, but uh yeah. Nah No. Yeah. <laughs> no, then I'd have to listen to it. Yeah, exactly. Well I did listen I did listen to last week's one actually yesterday when I was coming home from Liverpool again after our uh uh, defeat, yet ultimate victory over Inter Milan. And uh, I noticed that you <laughs> left in last week when I I thought I yeah. had a microphone malfunction. You thought it would be amusing to just leave that, that in. Funny. Un- oh yeah, he's <laughs> dickhead. Okay, Matthew, this is a first. Not only, 6th oh. of March last year, by the way, we started. So this is our one year anniversary. Oh my days. Yeah. The day before you turned 39. You were a mere 38 when we first... uh, You were a young whippersnapper of a (laughs)
1: 38-year-old.
0: Wow. Um, Yeah, this is something of a first because the content of this uh, podcast, we loosely call a podcast, has been entirely dominated and dictated (laughs) by myself since we began. But for the first time, you Mm -hmm. have something that you wish to discuss or bring to the table. Yes. A contention, some... shall we say?
1: Yeah, well, I just prepared a little bit more Gawk. Wow, I mean, for, for this one. I mean, not, I've kind of prepared for the first ones, but, but I don't think they added much. No, they added So nothing. I'd be interested to see if this actually brings any, anything of worth. to Good, the well, but, I can't but, wait to find out. I, Start talking. So you you basically said to me, listen to the Monday Night Club, that's what mm-hmm. it's called. And I said, okay. BBC and then, Radio
0: 5 Live.
1: Yeah. And and then initially I was like, this is two hours long. And it was only after a discussion last week. You said, no, no, the podcast that's released on Tuesday is half an hour. So listen to it's that. About 45 minutes, yeah. Okay, yeah. So I listened to it. And um, so I listened to it and i just provide some context. I did realise when I was listening to it, I was like, I don't actually listen to... Any sporting podcast whatsoever, but um but I did find it quite boring and a bit shit. And the reason, <clears throat> and it wasn't like the most boring thing I've heard of. <clears throat> I just thought it was boring and rubbish. In light of the fact that millions of people probably listen to that, I I don't know if that's I doubt tight. it's millions, hundreds of thousands, yeah. a few more than listen to this anyway. Yeah, one or two more. Yeah, but. But even though I don't listen to sport with podcasts, I you know, I I'm not like a sporting Luddite, you know, I do uh I've sort of performed at kind of a higher level of sport than our circle of friends um have. So I do love sport. Show off he's on about his <laughs> rowing.
0: We can all pick a niche sport and excel at it, you know what I mean? A sport that no and one wants to probably fucking do. Probably swimming. Possibly yeah. swimming as well. Swimming, yeah. All right, well I'm going this afternoon. Come down the Olympic pool and we'll race. (laughs) We'll do we'll do whips. I'll I'll do hundred (laughs) meters, two laps of the pool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Then we'll see. That'll be interesting. That'll be interesting. I'm
1: sure I'm sure you'll probably do that to beat me. Um, so I'll just go through the podcast chronologically um, because that's how I wrote the notes. So the first thing that I took issue with was, um. So they were talking about Man City and Man U and a red flag straight away was when Chris suddenly goes, they need to tear everything down. They need to start, start again um, with regards to Man U. And I'm always quite suspicious of when someone says that because I just think that is just lazy analysis. You know, they've sort of reverted to hyperbole. Is that the word? It is a word. Um uh, opposed to actually sort of breaking something down and going through what the problem is. they just sort of resorted to you know these kind of dramatic statements. Um but and then I was thinking okay well all right they're not they're not really on this program or that you know because of their sort of analytical insights that you know they're providing you know player the player's perspective but I didn't even find that it gave much of a player's perspective. The only sort of thing that that kind of touched upon the player's perspective was was when Micah Richards was sort of he was a bit more sympathetic to the plight of the Man U players. But I wouldn't necessarily say that was more of a player's uh, perspective. I just think he's probably a, a slightly more sympathetic individual and is and, and
0: willing to give. Uh, others well, I seem the to benefit recall in this week's episode, he said. I'm always loath to have a go at players because I know yeah. what it's like to be a player, but there's but no then, denying that there are some people in that squad who have not been performing for a long time, or words yeah. to effect.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's right. So he, he was a little bit... He wasn't quite as down the road as Chris Sutton when he was like, we need, we need to start again, tear everything down. Um, he was he was a bit softer in his approach. Um, um Oh, yeah, and then, um, so, so if they're not sort of providing their player insight, then I want to hear former players kind of, uh, you know, gossiping, really, you know, sort of naming names, and, and that, um, so there was one point when Chris Sutton, um, he's talking about sort of certain pundits, or I don't know who he was referring to, but people... That were you know coming down on Rangnick harder than they were on only Girl of Solskjaer. and Michael Richards goes, "Well, go on then, name names." And Chris Sutton's like, "No, no, we don't have to do that." And I just thought, well, if, he, if you're not here for your player insight and you're not really giving much of an analytical sort of uh, breakdown of of the issues at Man U, then just
0: I just want to hear you gossiping, you know, kind of just well. Yeah. I think it's, I think a lot of that is because we live in a world where arguments are, are so reductive. And if you, everyone knows who the pundits are who were essentially apologists for Solskjaer for, you know, he was in charge for the best part of three years and, you know, was to was anyone was who was looking at it impartially, even when they were theoretically doing well, he was so criminally out of his depth and unsuitable for the role. And there were a number of ex players in the media who were um, defending him just because he was a former teammate, and they were allowing that to cloud their judgment. And those, But I don't think... Where I would disagree with Chris Sutton there is I don't mm. think anyone now is blaming the, the current manager. There are every, every discussion that you hear about the regime at Old Trafford is just about what an absolute shambolic mess it is and how mm. there's no leadership, there's no direction. That's why he's talking about ripping it up, because essentially you have apologists like Darren Fletcher and, and Robbie Savage... Who they they they're what you'd call because a lot of these basically are in my in my opinion uh, no better than client journalists. They are apologists for uh, they peddle this biggest club in the world myth bullshit. They use that as a lens for everything. They're obsessed with the past, absolutely pathologically obsessed with the past. All they talk about, everything goes. They they can't have a conversation about. Uh, you know, a match in 2022 without talking about Alex Ferguson within three sentences. Um, And it's, they don't, they're they're too stupid to realize how unhelpful and how limiting to progress that is. And they're not, I've made a point on this podcast before. They're not learning from the mistakes that Liverpool made in the 1990s, always thinking that we were one by or one turn away from reclaiming the glories that we'd only recently given up. And, Ten years goes by. They're currently on nine years. They're not going to win the league. I don't they're not even close to winning the league. And they're making all the same mistakes. And I heard Dion Dublin, and, and, and Dion Dublin. much as I admire him on Holmes Under the Hammer, he shouldn't be anywhere near a football punditry microphone. He really is one of the most basic of the basic pundits. He's awful. He turns everything into a kind of, you know, a matey joke. He agrees. He'll make a point and then someone more intelligent will make a better point that contradicts what Dion Dublin has just said, and then he'll agree with them. But then... And 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 he makes such great play about being an ex-Man United player, despite the fact he was only there for, I think, a season, and he spent all of that injured with a broken leg. And then was surplus requirements when they brought... He's famously the reason they brought Canton up, because he got injured. Uh, and that's why they needed another striker. Um, but they... Again, everything... They, they, they were... They were having a conversation prior the night before the Manchester the night before the Manchester derby weekend, and they were again another reductive, predictable, boring conversation that loads of people seem to think you have to have these days. Where they go, who would get in a combined eleven between these two? I hate those conversations. It really is for them the worst type of football ball, right? <laughs> And the worst thing is these apologists this I'll getting around to the point i'm making these apologists for the current situation at old Trafford they love to pedal this line that the players are all magnificent and individually talented, but the problem has been the coaching and the and the kind of you know the team spirit and the plan that there's been no plan. But I'm, I'm of the view, and I think increasingly people are waking up to the idea that those, so many of those players are criminally overrated, criminally overrated. And I don't think a single player would get in a Manchester City team. Not one, not a single player. That's how outclassed and in the shadow they are of their, of their near neighbour. Manchester City are better than Manchester United in every single position on the pitch. And there's a reason that those players are playing for Manchester City. That's because they are better. And yes, they are better coached and they are better drilled. And I'd say they're more professional as well. They're harder working, but they're just better. They're better footballers. They've been bought when they were all purchased. The research that went into their characters and their backgrounds and their ability to fit into the team shape is just better in every single way. And uh, the bunch of of individuals who play for uh, Manchester United who turn up occasionally and put in a good performance and that leads people to get excited and had a half decent season when no one was in the ground so the pressure of playing for that club was sort of massively taken off them and now they're back to where they were before and people are you know again people were were deliberately going overboard about how good they were last season tipping them for the title this season and then now they have to kind of come up with a reason why they were so embarrassingly wrong. And they do it by focusing on it being the coach's fault and all that. But it is... Their players are not good enough. I don't think hardly any of those players would get into the Liverpool team either. I wouldn't want any
1: of them. I mean, I don't mind. I just I just think... I don't think they're doing that. But, I mean, they're obviously not doing
0: great. Yeah, but they are they're still one doing... of the highest profile clubs in, in yeah, world yeah. football. So, so if they're, they... They're
1: sort of like...
0: What they fifth and yeah, they're they're the fourth? They are fifth and they've fifth. still got a good chance of finishing in the top four. But the I point mean, is, not, it's no, not like you're right. I it's mean, not
1: when, when it's not when like when I just took took a bit of issue when they were just like so dramatic. I mean, yes, it's obviously you know they were talking about the leaks within the team to the press. Um, and, yeah, and well, that is to obviously the
0: toxic. Yeah, culture. that sounds. Yeah, yeah. And so everything's getting like an, out, isn't it? Training ground yeah. rails and people who yeah. don't like the coach, people who don't like the training regime, you know, people yeah. who want to leave. It's all getting out.
1: But, yeah, I mean, they're not like mid table. They're not. I mean, no, they, they're but not. Like, there,
0: are, there are teams above them that haven't spent £1.2 billion in the last nine years. And that's, that's the key thing. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. They have yeah. spent more money than Manchester City. They love to throw the accusation that City are all about money. They have spent more money than anyone else in the last nine years. They have they throw money at every problem. Some of the money I was watching Inter Milan the other night and looking at about four of them, who were bought for massive money, uh, playing for Inter Milan now. I'm just thinking, my God, yeah, God, the money that's been wasted. I think Alexis Sanchez, another one who the spinsters out there were saying, oh, he's going to make us now. We're we're right back. This is you know he's turned down City to join us. Yeah. Why did he do that? Because they, they, they were paying him half a million pounds a week. He was the highest paid player in British football. For, and he did absolutely nothing for about two and a half years. Nothing. Um, and I think mm. anyone who was paying close attention could have said that he was, his, his form for Arsenal had been on the wane, And he, he played so much football over about an eight or nine year period, every summer playing for a, a successful generation of Chile. And he, he was burnt out. Um, but they just threw money at it because, oh, he's a, he's a proven Premier League player, he's exciting uh, and he's, he's available on a, potentially on a free transfer. Wow. How much do you want? Half a million pound a week. Yeah, no problem. And that's <laughs> yeah. again, that's what that, so that's why it's a story, mate. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's yeah. Not, a club being, a big club being fifth isn't in itself a big story. There's been plenty of times, you mm-hmm. know, Liverpool's a big club and there's been plenty of times when we've been in that five, six, seven place bracket for, for a number of years. Um, that's only a story if the expectations are significantly higher um, and if the media is full of people who want to continually peddle the line that you're the biggest club in the world and uh, and uh, should be doing better be- mm. just bo- b- because of who you are, you know. Mm.
1: Well, that Yeah, so it kind of goes on to... So so then up popped this guy, uh, I think his name Johnny Cochran. From uh, the Arsenal podcast. From the Arsenal podcast. Yeah. He, start, he he sort of joined in. He was tapped into the conversation, and um, well, that's when they started talking about Arsenal. He didn't just randomly appear. Yeah, idea. and and uh, <laughs> yeah, sorry. And um, he he started doing something which I find really annoying. Uh, he he sort of first, you know, straight out the out the gate, uh, he was like, "Oh, I was really enjoying Mike Richards laughing in the face of uh, Roy Keane." And I'm just like, oh, come on! Like, we're not, you know, I don't like that. And then, and then he was having, you know, he would be talking about Arsenal, but every so often dropping in,
0: you know, how Tottenham are struggling.
1: It's like, oh, fine. Yeah, you but know. don't forget, he's I, not I fucking... a journalist.
0: He's a podcast. He runs a podcast. He's not trying to be impartial. His job isn't it to be impartial. He's an Arsenal fan.
1: Yeah, I know. He's an Arsenal fan so... running
0: an Arsenal podcast. <laughs> I know. But I just... He's I just, just an invited I just, guest. He's not part of the panel. No, yeah, yeah.
1: But I mean, and, and yeah, and, and that kind of showed when even Mark Chapman was like, okay, we'll just tone this down a bit because, you know, you are on BBC. You're not on your own. Yeah. Kind of, uh, but yeah. And then Ian, so he starts sort of talking about um, uh, how sort of well Arsenal are currently doing, how they're sort of, you know, they got rid of some of the... Uh, some of the big names, or you know, um, like Ozil. I think you mentioned and Abayang, yeah. Um, and you know, he's sort of like we're really, you know, developing a culture, blah blah blah. And uh, and then somebody said to him, I can't remember who it was. They said, "Were well, you one of uh, you know?" There was quite a few people calling for Arteta to go at the at the, start at of the end season. of last season, yeah, and the beginning of this season. Were you, one, you one of those? Started, yeah, the beginning, run. yeah. He goes, yeah, I was, yeah, I was. Yeah, and he I did. just sort of straight away. He's At just least he like, admitted it, though. A lot I, of them don't. Well, yeah, but 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 then you're just like, okay, well, fair enough. But so now you're basically saying I could be talking bollocks now. I was talking bollocks back then, and I'm meant to be sort of take, you know, but. You know, one of our greatest strengths, I think, of this podcast is that nobody really listens to it. Yeah. But but yet hundreds of thousands of people are meant to be listening to this
0: person, so take it well, seriously. Why do you think I get so angry with the standard yeah. of when I hear these factual errors and sloppiness by by football pundits when I think they are doing a job that would be my my, my dream, my absolute fantasy is to do their job and have their life. Yeah. And they they're they're making you know, Jim. They got a lot of them have only got the job because they were they played professional football. And I, I'm of the view that just because you did something doesn't mean you're an expert on it. In fact, if anything, no. it can make you least suited to understand it because you were kind of too close to the heat. And Rob, I mean, Rob, I'm, it's so easy to a go at Robbie Savage, so I'll do it. Um, <laughs> it doesn't make it wrong. That man is an is an utter utter moron. Yeah, an utter moron. And he, you, you know, you should try listening to. You think. Um, you get frustrated listening to the Monday nightclub, At least Savage yeah. doesn't get access to that. Savage posts <laughs> the the post football six oh six phone in on a Friday and Saturday night with with Chris Sutton. They put the two of them together because Chris Sutton's the one with the sort of you know the dry withering scorn, and he sort of has a go at Robbie Savage and pulls him up for his like lack of accuracy and being an idiot. And then they they just have a like dynamic with each other. But on there, Robbie Savage, it, it, the, the the kind of the clickbait reactionary journalism um, of which the, the football commentator version is Darren Fletcher of BT Sport, where everything is, is so I, I, I'll give you an example with Savage. He, at the, around Christmas time last season, so the 2020, 21 season, the lockdown season, Tottenham had had a really good run of form. And I think they went into early December and they might have hit the top of the table. And he was, he was peddling the line, again, another myth um, thrown out there by sycophants, that that was a representation that Mourinho had refound his mojo, he'd been at the club long enough then and th- and he, he went on record just before, on 606, sorry, not just before, and said that Tottenham were going to win the league, right? He he said, I'll say it now, Tottenham are going to win the league. Now they got absolutely nowhere near winning the league. I think we, we beat them at Anfield a few days after then with a a late Bobby Firmino goal, and then they, they, they went, ad, you know, completely off a cliff and end, a cliff, and ended up in the uh, didn't even get in the Europa League. They got the, ended up in the Conference League, and I know that it's not like a, a, a pundit prediction is. It's not like a, a, a politician's promise. You got You don't have to be held accountable for it. But you do lose credibility when you so readily make these snap judgments and and snap predictions. And you just look at it and go, I think you know the the group of lads who I speak to about football before and after Liverpool games who I meet up with wouldn't come up with shit like that. They could they could offer some more reasoned and intelligent insight and none of them are kind of, you know, paid football professionals. <laughs> this man is being paid probably quite, you know, large sums of money to um, to, to give his opinion and just to be a provocative... It's again, you, you, one of your objections there about the... the the dynamic on that Monday nightclub of um of Chris Sutton kind of taking making a dig at people who uh, had called for Rennick's head or been too harsh on Randy but then not being specific about which pundits he was referring to. Chris Sutton's role on there is to be the sort of you know the the miserable, provocative kind of um, guy who kind of winds up the other two and then Michael Richards is kind of a bit more reasonable and he's the the sort of jolly guy and then Rory Smith is the the you know the Times and now New York Times journalist who offers the sort of more intelligent and less um, and maybe slightly more impartial um, insight and that i I feel that that dynamic works incredibly well and I think if you listen to more other editions of it. That that you'll realise how that dynamic was, and actually, some of the things that you've accused them of not doing, they do, they do regularly. Like you know, Chris Sutton spoke a few weeks ago about it was really amazing, actually, about because um, he had a ten million pound move to from Blackburn to Celtic in the in the late nineties that went disastrously wrong, and how the you know the the, the struggles with confidence and even slight, sort of mental mental health side and impact on his family as a result of that. Because they were talking about other players who were kind of their moves were going badly, and Michael Richards, they actually tease him about it because every week he speaks, he 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 brings everything back to playing under Roberto Mancini and how the Mancini's coaching style and you know winning the league with Man City and blah blah blah. So I, I think that they actually do do a lot of the things that you say they. They didn't do on that particular yeah. episode. So to, to be fair,
1: I think I think actually, Michael Richards then later on went to talk about his experience working with Peter Beardsley. And just no, Stuart how I, It was Stuart, Stuart Pearce. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I was thinking. I was actually thinking. Did Peter Beardsley do coaching? But obviously, yeah. Yeah. well, yeah. he did. Famously,
0: no. he coached youth players at Newcastle and ended up getting uh, fired yeah. for. Uh, being uh, offensive to the foreign language players oh. so <laughs> so yeah, 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 yeah. where stuart Pearce hasn't stuart. hasn't done that
1: yet <laughs> yeah
0: um at the time of yeah. recording stuart <laughs> Pearce hasn't done that <laughs>
1: yeah um but yeah and then just at the very end i couldn't believe uh so this guy johnny Cochrane said oh yeah i was the one i did i was calling for him to go and then the conversation went on and again i can't remember what who it was who said to him but they sort of they 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 sort of asked, you know, Arsenal fans. They they sometimes have a bit of a reputation for being sort of quick to judge. Fickle. Um, and yeah, and uh, so you know, Arsenal have had a had probably arguably a good run of, of of fixtures. They've done well as a result. But you know, if they come up against some top teams and they and they possibly you know if they do struggle. You know, are you are you going to sort of be asking, you know, saying that we should keep patient, stick with the project? You know, really quite a leading, quite an easy question. Yeah. And he was, and he basically went, no, no. He said we're a top three club, and uh, yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I just can't believe it. That's I'm everything like,
0: that's wrong with with football. But there you go. That's that's. It. But he's uh, representative of a there's just like no patience, and yeah. um, and you've spoken about that sort of the, the
1: cyclical element, and I and I do. You know, I I think it's good that you talk about, you know, the, the sick the the cycles that yeah, people can go through. No dominance is I, permanent. Yeah. I appreciate you do you 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 I can sense you are you do make a, an effort to be impartial.
0: Sometimes you, you I just say it as drop. I see it. Like I mean yeah. today, for example, there's a massive opportunity. We talk about, you know big making kind of quite cheap points and saying, yeah. like, oh, I kind of, I told you so type of thing, but there's a huge temptation because we're recording this on the day in which Roman Abramovich is having sanctions against him. And I've now, I wouldn't go as far as say I've been banging on about it, and boring people about it. But from the day he took over that club in 2003, I was like, how on earth is this, is this fine? This is so dirty and murky. He's using money taken from a, you know, state resources to have a vanity purchase of a football club That he's got no connection to He's obviously money laundering And it's trying to legitimise his reputation And now he's got sanctions against him And, you know, even to the extent now That Chelsea are going to be limited As an expenditure to £20,000 per match And that's for, like, even like away games For all their travel and everything So that's going to make things really difficult for them For, like, remaining Champions League away games and stuff And they can't renegotiate Fantastic can't, they can't sell tickets. They can't sell. Well, they can, They can't sell more tickets, can they? No, so they, no. so they, they honour what they've already sold. Yeah. But now you can't now buy tickets or, or over a certain number or something. And they can't um, renegotiate player contracts. So the players who are out of contract at the end of the season, who they were trying to persuade to stay, I think includes Rudiger and Christensen and maybe even Aspilacueta, will all now go. To, I mean, I think Rudiger was going to go anyway. And it, it would be very easy to, um, to kind of be a bit triumphant and, and uh, sort of glorying in that. Um, but even though I, there's a, there is a level of vindication for lots and lots of people who were sort of saying all along, come on, like, th- th- where's this money come from? Like, this is just wrong. And, and not been fooled by this bullshit Chelsea PR machine over the years of oh, but we turned them into a legitimate business and we're now self-sustaining and we, you know, we're we're profitable and we're not entirely reliant on Roman's money. Well, a, it's evidently not true um, because he was just using other ways to put his money into the club through, you know, different companies and funds and charitable trusts and all that all that kind of shite that the mega rich use to. Um, You know, disguise what they're really up to, but also, they wouldn't be in a position to now. Like the sanctions against them now, are could could kind of stall what they're capable of doing as an elite club. They wouldn't be the level of elite club that they were now if they hadn't spent 20 years spending dirty, ill-acquired, ill-gotten Russian money. And I heard someone on uh, the radio uh, this morning before I went out running saying that it um, was it was a it was, a, it was a very, to be fair it was a very reasonable representative I think of a Chelsea sports group, and they were all agreeing that there are more important things going on at the moment. We you know, and even football fans need to you know, even if you're a Chelsea fan, you need to realise that there's people dying in Ukraine and the concerns of a football club are are, are minuscule. But even he was saying, but I don't think this should taint the achievements over the last nineteen years. And I'm thinking, well, again, this goes back to my thing of trying not to be like wise after the event and triumphalist about this or or even I like, like I told you so. But how can it not how can it not taint it? I mean, Matt, as an outsider looking in, as someone who's a, has a passing interest in football, do you <laughs> think that the like the what, the five league titles, the two Champions League, the the, what was it, four or five FA Cups, League Cups, etc. that Chelsea have won in the last 19 years. Do you regard them as completely fine and untainted?
1: Yeah. Did he? Did, yeah, I mean, that seems quite an obvious thing to, uh,
0: yeah, to I conclude. Think it was, when what, he bought the club, they hadn't won the league, I think, in 53 years or something. Right. And then they won and the what, league two years after he bought them.
1: Did the, Did the individual kind of expand on why I he felt that the, way I think the point
0: is that whatever you now think is it, of is it all because there's all dirty money in the Premier League and yeah so but then again that goes back no, to the point I made last week about about how yeah. it's an argument I would suggest Tories use a lot of oh but you'd be the same or you're, you're, no, you're no different mm. like at the moment mm. The brilliant journalist James O'Brien is when he's kind of calling out all these links between oligarchs and funding to the Tory Party and giving peerages to the owners of the um, uh, Evening Standard, who it was called Lord of Siberia or something, isn't it? Given that peerage specifically by Boris Johnson and all, all this stuff, and people will just tweet him saying, "Yeah, but but your mate John Burko's a, a bully." So what in what? In what way is that relevant? But it's that, it's that thing of, like, someone who's on your side of the argument has done something wrong. Therefore, everyone on the other side of the argument, stop banging on about it. You're delegitimized, And it's like, you know, the fact is, over the last 20 years, you've not been able... To, anyone who raises their head above the parapet and moans about Chelsea and how they got their money and how it's not fair um, is just called a sore loser. Newcastle needs to be very careful because they're, they're, they are currently making exactly the same kind of noises. Uh, I heard, there was a journalist um, trying to talk. He was an expert in football finance on a thing again. I was listening to this morning, who was saying that if you if you raise your head um, on Twitter and make any any point about the, the Saudis, the Saudi government essentially owning um, owning Newcastle and, and whether or not that is morally um, <laughs> sustainable. You just get absolutely shot down by an army of Geordies who just accuse you of like you know you're just trying to uh, tra- you know protect the establishment leave us alone you know everyone else has had their money but the the whole all money in football's dirty argument doesn't work because it's not most clubs all right yes there m- most clubs these days to be at the very elite are owned by often quite unpleasant billionaires egotistical people people who probably. You know, do some bad shit in their personal lives that you wouldn't want to spend an awful lot of time with. But they at least acquired them. And there might even be some criminality involved in how they acquired their money, but they weren't propping up despotic regimes that go and invade others. They weren't propping up regimes that are bombing Yemen and invading um uh, Ukraine and Abramovich was very smart no one knows what he fucking speaks like he hasn't done a single interview mainstream interview in 19 years of owning Chelsea there's a reason for that because he knows he's, he's in, in, intrinsically tied to Putin he's been very very clever just of just remaining silent this shadowy creature just funneling his money through having somewhere where he can park up his yachts and turn up and, and host all his friends in the ex, you know the executive luxury at round Bridge and a beautiful part of London for him to be in and just keep yourself out of the headlines. You know, the headline is your name and the money, but you're not yourself the story. And because I think he's not, he has known all along that as soon as he becomes the story, he's putting himself in danger because he's he's tied himself to a man. The only reason he's not had any action against him, as I said in last week's podcast, is because he is an, a, a Putin ally. That can be the only explanation because I, anyone who questioned him or defied him in any way uh, their assets... Uh, cut in half by Putin. Most of the oligarchs, fifty percent of their of their money went directly to Putin, which is why now Putin himself is is independently one of the wealthiest men on earth, and has built a massive palace uh, on the Black Sea that he's desperate that his own citizens don't learn about. Um, which is I think one of the most expensive buildings in in the history of the world, and he, he doesn't want. He's desperate that no one finds out about this. So, yeah, um, interesting.
1: <laughs> it's going to be revert. really interesting to
0: see how that goes. They're saying that they're going to they, they they will probably allow the sale of Chelsea to go through as long as Abramovich doesn't make any money out of it, in order to kind of protect them as a business. But I, I don't see how how why why are they making an exception for a football club when they're putting sanctions against energy companies and you know massive global conglomerates? I don't know. No, good. But we 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 can revert back
1: to um to to. Me not, <laughs> me not being able to input much next week. No, absolutely not, Matthew. I want next week. I want. Uh, we, we, we can I'll, have... I'll listen to it again. I'll see. I'll see if I. You. I'm possibly. I'm probably being a bit harsh. So yeah, if I listen it, to it give, again, give it I another
0: go. Maybe maybe okay. listen to some other football stuff as well to give you a bit of a no. you know, compare and oh. contrast. <laughs> Yeah, maybe. And listen to, an- I, I listened to Top Flight Time Machine. And that's I not that. a football podcast.
1: No, I know. I mean, it's really funny. Yeah, it is. Like yeah. It. It's got a kid it's got a football related name.
0: It it does, but so does Atletico Mints. And you know, I mean, that is, yeah. that's the, that is, uh, I like that one as well. Well, that's the, the world's best podcast. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who's never listened to it, it's the world's best podcast. <laughs> but I heard funnily enough though, thing of Atletico Mints, just a quick, quick point before we finish. Uh, that I heard someone make the other day is, i I love it because I've listened to it from day one, but if you go in and just listen to a the, an episode of Atletico Mints now like the latest one, it's completely una it makes no sense whatsoever <laughs> because it's 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 so surreal and so much of it relies on a prior knowledge of of <laughs> the characters that they've kind of built up that are many of whom are loosely associated with football um <laughs> But it is brilliant and it's got Bob Mortimer. And anyway, that's it for this week. Um, if Matthew makes it through another week now, he's in his 40s. We just take it one day at a time. Um, we will be back next week. Um, I will be seeing Matthew celebrating his uh, his momentous birthday in the city of Manchester this weekend. I'm tempted to leave him in a ditch or in a canal. Uh if I T- don't tweet
1: us what you what you think would be more appropriate yeah, if, yeah so if anyone get, yeah
0: if you hear this on Saturday morning, if you're one of the first to listen to this and um, you get the message sorry you, you hear the episode before the night out which is on Saturday <laughs> evening do tweet us and let me know the way in which you'd like me to dispose of Matthew <laughs> um, if, you, if you now die on Saturday night Matthew imagine how this is going to sound
1: Ooh, yeah I know if it's not <laughs> yeah
0: (laughs) on that bombshell of, of potential murder and death it's time to say it's time to say goodbye have a good week and see you next time on Football Unfocused